down to 44 at 60. At a business event in early 2019, your host Trevor Lee foolishly agreed to run the 2021 Classic Quarter, a 44-mile ultramarathon on the coastal path from the UK's most southerly point, Lizard Village, to the UK's most westerly point, Land's End. Okay, it's time to lace up the running shoes, load up on carbs and gels, and get this show on the Cornish coastal path. Enjoy! Hello everybody, this is episode 18 of the 44 and 60 podcast, yeah! <laughs> okay, I I know you're enjoying it, I know, yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, thank you very much for that. Um, on this show I've got nobody at all, it's just me, but I'm going to do a little roundup of the year that's just gone, 2019. And this was my uh, first full year with the fabulous Truro Running Club. A big hand of applause for them. Thank you very much. Yeah, good old Truro Running Club. Thanks very much. Um, and what a year it's been. Blimey. As I'm recording this podcast, I think I've done 131 runs of some sort, which is races, park runs, club nights, training runs, and it's well over 700 miles. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, I didn't join a running club to go running, frankly. I joined the running club because I thought, well, it'd be good to meet people and uh, that sort of thing. <laughs> Have a bit of social and all that stuff. But it's uh, everyone's just running all the time. It's crazy. Anyway, and I've got dragged along with it. But it's been brilliant. And I've done, I think I've done 26 competitive races this year, including seven half marathons. I've never done seven half marathons in my life in one year. My personal best in one year previously was three. So I've done seven. Is that worth a round of applause? Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, this this whole 44 at 60 malarkey started uh, back in February when I was at a business event in Cornwall. And I was one of the afternoon speakers. And in the morning, there was a headline speaker, you know, the guy who gets tons of cash, you know. Um, and his name was Jim Lawless. And he's got this thing called Taming Tigers. And uh, Taming Tigers is all about doing stuff that you think you can't do, but you can, you know, you put yourself in that position and you end up um, doing it. And he'd done two particular things which had helped him achieve his sort of fame, if you like. One was that he became the British freedive champion, the British freedive record holder at some point a few years ago. And also he took on a bet, a one-pound bet, that within 12 months of the bet he could take part in a professional horse race that was televised as a jockey. And he'd never sat on a horse before. He was the right height for a jockey, but not the right weight. And he achieved both those things, and so he you know, he kind of shows you know, slides and all that sort of stuff, a bit of film as part of his presentation of his achievement. So I'm sat there thinking, in 2021, I was going to run a third marathon, having done one in 2005, 2010, and I found myself going, no, 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 that's not enough. It's not enough. I need to do an ultramarathon. I'd heard about the Classic Quarter because I'd lived down on the Lizard uh, for many years. And this is the one that goes from you know, Land's End to, uh, sorry, it doesn't go from Land's End, it goes from Lizard Point to Land's End. So in the afternoon, I'm up there with a couple of the other afternoon speakers and we're being introduced to everybody. And I'm sat next to Jim Lawless. And um, we're asked by the, uh, by the host, what have we learned in the morning? And I said, well, I've learned that I'm going to do something ridiculous in 2021. And on the back of what this guy on my right said this morning, I've been inspired to do an ultramarathon, 44 miles. So that's how it came about, you know. And everybody sat there and thought, well, you know, this is ridiculous. And they're all going... 
they're looking at me thinking, he's completely crazy. So that was, the, that was basically the audience's reaction. Well, thank you very much, audience, for having faith in me in doing that. Um, and then in August, this podcast was launched as part of the motivational tool for making it happen in 2021. Um, I have experience. I've got a business podcast out there, the Sales and Presentation Podcast. I did kind of know roughly what I was doing. So it would be an appropriate at this time to say thank you very much to all the people who've made this podcast possible. So particularly to, to my daughter, Beth, who does all the production and the editing and all that sort of stuff. So by the time you hear this, all the bits I've got wrong have take, been taken out and everything. Uh, Jim, my son, who's kind of the IT wizzo and uh, makes sure all the kit works and helps with all that. Robert, his mate who designed the logo. And Emily, who uh, from Webfooty Designs, who does all my website management and has done for many years. And um, Emily makes sure that I get the podcasts appearing on the websites and, and all that sort of stuff as well. And um, I'd also like to uh, say, I'm just getting my list here. I'd like to say a special thanks to all the people who've appeared on the podcast as a guest. Because one of the interesting things is I've done tons of episodes. I think I've done 89 episodes uh, as, as I'm recording this of the business podcast and only one interview. And on this one, I did lots of interviews. So I'd like to thank, and this is the order in which people were interviewed. So first up, Andy Goundry. And uh, <laughs> Andy was very tolerant because I went to do his interview and realised I'd forgotten the SD card that went in the recording machine. So I had to dash in t- from his office in Truro into town, buy an SD card, race back, record the interview. So Andy was very patient with that. Andy and Lorraine Brown, who, um, I, uh, who, who shared a... transport with me to the White Rat event in August so and have been great uh, great uh, producing vehicular transport to other races as well Richard Moore Richard Moore (laughs) Richard's always great fun Um, Colin and Nick Bath who who, uh, who really gave a, a fantastic interview about all the things to eat and drink on the run and all that all the all the technical bits and all the detail in preparation and all that sort of stuff. Lou um, at the Run Lab, who um, I went and had a, one of those gait analysis, and she told me I was a 1,500-metre runner, not a 44-mile runner. <laughs> I wasn't sure that was a good thing or a bad thing. I was quite quite pleased to be a 1,500-metre runner, Steve Cram and all that stuff. Um, and then Edward Chapman. Um, and Edward, you know, is a retired accountant who looks, you know, bit like a retired accountant, but is actually an amazing ultra runner, particularly uh, multi-day runs. So listen to his episode, and he is the record holder for the most finishes of the Kalahari Desert six-day challenge. So, wow, that is something. Uh, and then we did the eating and drinking one, which uh, we had Rob standing, Adrian Tyres, Claire Menzing, and Colin Bath in that one as well. So thank you for that. Anna Pasco, Anna, who's as a female, has never been beaten in a 24-hour race. Um, before so that was amazing to do that mark pickin who um who also at the very same business event agreed to do the you know he signed up he went home that night and signed up for the classic quarter as well he'd done it as a relay and he was 44 this year and he so he wanted to do 44 at 44 and he did it and in the podcast he said i'll tell you trevor all the things not to do so that's that was a great episode and then my old college friends christine dickon and paul who in episode 15 uh, shared uh, their sort of running stories, particularly Christine, who is a current world record holder, which is astonishing. You know, well, everybody's, you know, there are always going to be world record holders in all age groups. But, um, yeah, she it was a great, and she explained what it was like to 
stand on the podium on the top part and hear the national anthem played. I mean, imagine that. I mean, that must have been some moment. Kevin Hardin, who is the coach at Truro Running Club, and he talked about body salts and proteins and carbohydrates. And then and then everybody who contributed to the last episode, which was on the Christmas wish list. So, um, you know, that's great. And also people like Lee Weston, who I've been going to see Lee for about 15 years, and he sort of like keeps my legs going somehow. I don't know what his magic touches, I suppose. And, and Lloyd at your pace, who's been tremendous in helping me get the buy the right kit and I really love the hocker shoes and all that sort of stuff so and and then of course everyone else who's put up with me on the runs particularly when I've been going around talking to myself having great fun and everybody's going who's that nutter talking to himself oh my god he's catching up with me oh no he's gonna talk to me now he's gonna interview me and I, I made two massive blunders at the um, two races in December, Race for Wildlife and the Cardinal Woods one. So if you're listening to this podcast and I interviewed you for that and you haven't heard the interview, I'm really sorry because I managed to really mess up uh, the recording of it one way or another. So it's a long story, but I've learned my lesson. I know how to do it properly now. So I was trying to be clever and do two things at the same time and it didn't, and neither of them worked. <laughs> but anyway, so all of you who have contributed to the podcast, this is for you. So thank you very much indeed. <laughs> that, was, that was great. Right. So now what I want to do is I want to just walk through my favorite races of 2019. I've done 26, which, you know, is way more than I've ever done before. So I've narrowed it down to six and I've got particular reasons why all these six were my were my personal favorite races. All right. So first of all, uh, the Scunthorpe half in March. And you're thinking Scunthorpe half. It was all on road. It was in Scunthorpe or near Scunthorpe. <laughs> um, no disrespect to Scunthorpe and all that. So why was that important to me? Well, I managed to do it in 157. And I thought my days of running a half marathon under two hours had long gone. And it was brilliantly organised. It was a fairly big race and they had some fantastic paces uh, with massive great things they were carrying. So you could see them from miles away. So a big thanks to everybody who was involved in the organising of that race. It's in March. Uh, it's it's it is flat, um, and it is you know it's all on road and that sort of stuff. But for me, it was a massive boost to run a half marathon under two hours. I thought that you know my days had gone on that sort of thing. So that was fantastic. Uh, second on the list, and these are in no particular order ultimately. But this is probably if I had to pick one of all the list to say this was my. Favourite of the year, I think it would be the White Rat, because um, I'd never done a coastal path run uh, race before. I'd run on the coastal path when I lived in Coverack quite a lot, but I'd never done a coastal path race before. And Andy Brown and Lorraine Brown organised a, a team bus, and we had we had uh, Linda Derry and her sister and Laura Paul on the bus as well, and we, we all went off together, we all ran the, the White Rat, and then we all sort of came back together. And it was a great day out, and I, it was just brilliant. I mean, the first mile took me 19 minutes. <laughs> so why would that be a brilliant race but um, that was because it was uphill and there were lots of styles and the etiquette was to let everybody through on the styles and then there was the, the big drink station and I was recording a podcast on the way around it became episode number two of this series shooting bits of video, taking photographs and all that stuff and it was it was just great fun so you know everybody I think I've spoken to since I've said go and do that, go and do that and next year that same group of six people are going to upgrade and we're going to do the Red Rat which is 20 miles Right, number three, um, and again, these are in no particular order necessarily, was the Bude Pirate Run in September. 
Um, I think that was part of the Cornwall multi-terrain series, but it, the scenery was just stunning. It was a gorgeous day, and we were running on the on the coast coast on the top of the cliffs around Bude. I mean, just fantastic. So it was really really good, and um, I kind of had got that wrong again <laughs> because I thought we were doing about a six mile race, and it turned out to be about eight. But anyway, not to worry. And um, I did a, I think I did a podcast about that. Yeah, number ten. There we go, number ten. I did a podcast about that. Um, the, f- the fourth one is Remembrance Run. This was at Mounts Bay, it was on Remembrance Sunday, and what was really amazing about that was that the conditions, we run across the beach and back again, and I understand from people who run it previous years, because I'd never run it before, was the conditions this year were just ideal, and the sun came out for the first time in about 10 weeks down in Cornwall, and uh, it was just one of those, to, and I found myself, I did, a, again, I did a recording, it's episode 13, and I found myself talking about, you know, my father's family and them going off to war in the First World War and all that sort of stuff, and it was very poignant, really, and I, I really got in, you know, into the run as well as into the recording of the podcast. So, so that was great. So, the last two um, are actually the, the biggest and the smallest race I've run this year. And the biggest race was the Cardiff Half Marathon, and well, allegedly twenty seven thousand people there. And I was stood at the front of this pen for fifty five minutes <laughs> just to get a space at the front, um, along with Katie Spencer from Truro Running Club. So we just stood there for ages and you and you can't really you know most races you're nipping to the lose and all this sort of stuff so manage not to do that so I was really really pleased to stand there for 55 minutes and not think I need to go to the loo now before we start the race and it was fantastic and and a great run and I thoroughly enjoyed it I mean the crowds were just immense and I did 155 just a snag over 155 which again I was absolutely delighted with because uh, I think the course overall was slightly tougher than Scunthorpe. So I was really pleased with that. And more importantly, I was sort of rolling back the years, because in 1992, I ran my first ever half marathon in Cardiff. Different course, I think. It was two hours, four minutes, roughly. So I was uh, basically nine minutes quicker 27 years later. So there you go, everybody. Age isn't a reason for letting your time slip. So I was absolutely chuffed to that. And then finally... I've got to say, you know, my final one, which ultimately, you know, was the one I had most glory on because it was the Coverack Easter four and a half mile run, which the good folk of Coverack, uh, particularly Caroline Beadle, have been organising for a long time and always used to take part in it. And usually there's about 20, 25 runners and usually I've always finished about sixth or seventh. And... Um, on this occasion, it was on Easter Monday, and if you remember Easter, the way Easter fell this year was that all the schools and everybody were going back on the very on the Tuesday, the next day. So Easter Bank Holiday Monday was really at the far end of the Easter holiday, the last day. So the field was diminished significantly. <laughs> but you can only beat what's in front of you, can't you? So there were, I think there were six of us. <laughs> And these two youngsters, they set off, you know, in, uh, in, in way in front. And um, and there was a bloke with a dog and, a, and and then there was the dad of the kids and and, and, a, and then a girl from Nuki Running Club uh, called Lucy. So if you're listening, Lucy, and she she's her in-laws live in the Coverack area and she was still recovering from the London Marathon, I think. So that, that was the field. So I was in third place early on and then I caught the youngsters up suddenly I find myself in the lead I'm re- I'm leading a race this this is I'm this is a bizarre experience for me so there's a bit of the race where it comes down a track back down to the village and the track goes past where where the house was that we we, we used to live in where we built the house this house years ago and so I knew that track quite well and I thought right I'm going to leg it down here it's downhill it's all r- it's really quite rough but 
it's it's worth the risk just to leg it down there. And, and I came out in the bottom of the village, and I knew I was still well in the lead. And then my daughter and her cousin and her grandmother were in this cafe right on the front. And I said to them, right, get ready to take a picture, because I'll be about fourth or fifth maybe, you know, because I'd know I, they didn't know how many were in it. They went to the start. Suddenly I'm there, and they managed to get a picture, which is great. And then I, I just head down all the way up the hill to the finish, no looking back, until I got 10 yards from the finish. Quick glance over my shoulder, and knew no one was there. So I took, I took ages to go over the finish line through the tape. I was just really milking the moment. <laughs> so fantastic. So this is for me and the cover act, my first ever victory, probably my last ever victory in a race. How about this? There we go. <laughs> so what have I got lined up for 2020? Um, well, I'm trying to plan 2020. So it builds up to the ultra marathon in 2021. So I'm doing a thing called Stormforce 10, which is a 10 mile road race. But the first big thing I'm doing is called Cousin Jack. And it's on February the 29th. And so I'm assuming that's just coincidental that it's on the Saturday and that they don't just run it on February the 29th, therefore it goes every four years. Now, this is a 35-mile ultra race. I'm not doing the 35 because that would be my first ultra, and I'm definitely not ready for that. So I'm doing half of it. So I have to get on a bus in St. Ives at 7 o'clock in the morning and get shipped out somewhere, and I, a few of us are staying in on the Friday night, and then one or two of the others are doing the full race. So that's that. Then I'm going with the Truro Running Club to Manchester, to the Manchester Marathon. Um, I don't know how I've managed to get myself roped into this, but anyway, I'm going. I've booked the flight and the accommodation and the race entry and all that stuff. It'll be my first marathon for nine and a half years, but apparently it's the second biggest marathon in the UK after London. It's a big city event, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that, actually. And it's a big test. It'll be a massive test for me, that. The Cousin Jack will be as well, but that will Manchester Marathon will be equally big. So... If I'm still surviving those two, then uh, Classic Quarter, I've entered as a relay of two uh, in June with Andy Williams. Now, Andy appeared in the last podcast, and rather concerningly for me, Andy said in that podcast that he wanted a new left leg for Christmas. (laughs) So uh, I hope, Andy, your left leg does get better. Otherwise, I'll be looking for somebody else to come on that uh, Classic Quarter half with me. And then in August is the Red Rat with uh, with the gang who did the White Rat last year. So that really is my plans for next year. I'm going to concentrate on the training. I'm going to do far less actual competitive races next year uh, because um, I'm going to attach to the uh, podcast on the... You can, see, you can see all these podcasts on my website and I'm going to atta- I attach loads of photographs as well. So it's 4460 on the Trevor Lee Media website and I'm going to attach pictures of the year... Uh, and all the great people that uh, have been part of this year. So thank you very much for that. So this is going out just before Christmas. So, of course, it wouldn't be the same, would it? Unless I <laughs> I finish this podcast. I, I'm sorry about this. I, you're going to have to indulge me here. But I'm going to go for um, my top six Christmas cracker jokes. All right? I'm not very good at telling jokes, but I... <laughs> top six Christmas cracker jokes and then I'm going to record a podcast at the Trelissic Park Run Christmas Day event all right so if you go into that and you're listening to this I will be there I'll have about 25 microphones hanging off me and I'll be trying to get people to tell me how their Christmas is as we run around and all that nonsense all right so thank you in advance for tolerating me on that Right, just before I do the Christmas cracker jokes, a little top tip for you at Christmas. This is a great trick with the Christmas cracker, all right? And it works every time, whether you're at a family event or wherever you might be where there's Christmas crackers. So 
you have to work out clearly where you're sitting on the table for this to work. So if you know where you're going to sit, then what you need to do is usually people lay out the tables, don't they, put out the crackers and all that stuff. So sneak in for when no one's not looking. And, it, and it's quite hard to do these days with the plastic ones. But get a 10 or 20 pound note and roll it up really tightly. And then you can probably push it into your cracker. All right. So you have to be discreet and careful, but it does work. And push it, push it into the cracker. Then, <laughs> this is the bit which could go badly wrong. <laughs> then when, you, when you're all pulling your Christmas crackers and everybody's turning out their plastic comb and some other tap that they've got in their cracker, which is, you know, rubbish. And then you get your moment, wait your moment, and then tip yours out on the table when everyone's looking and say, oh, I wonder what I've got in my cracker. And then out falls your 10 or 20 pound note. <laughs> and... The astonishment on the people in your in your you know who are with you at the Christmas dinner is amazing. Okay, and you go, whoa, what have I got? And you start to unroll. Oh my God, it's a twenty pound note. Wow. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure I want to swap with anybody else. So it's great fun. So try and do that if you can. It's a brilliant trick. Um, but of course, the danger is that you you know you pull the cracker and then you end up with the the bit that's not yours, and somebody else ends up with your bit or or the table plan changes, or someone moves the crackers around. <laughs> so anyway, there are risks involved, but it's great fun. Right, so here we go. Here's your top six Christmas cracker jokes. Right, number one. What happened to the man? Oh, did, <laughs> I told you I was no good at telling jokes. Right, let's start again. Did you hear about the man who stole an event calendar? He got 25 days. <laughs> What do you get if you cross a centre with a duck? A Christmas quacker. <laughs> okay, contain your excitement. <laughs> how did Good King? How does Good King Wenceslas like his pizza? <laughs> Steady now. Deep, deep pan, crisp and even. <laughs> Why did no one bid for Rudolph and Blitzen on eBay? They were too dear. <laughs> Advent calendars, their days are numbered. <laughs> and the final one, which is probably my favourite, I think, is why is Christmas like your job? Well, you do all the work and the fat bloke in the suit gets all the credit. <laughs> there we go. So this is the last podcast before Christmas, everybody. So if you're listening, thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to leave a review, that would be fantastic. Have a wonderful Christmas. And uh, I'll be back with another episode uh, recorded at the Christmas Park Run at Trillisic sometime between Christmas and the New Year. And then see you in the New Year. Thanks for listening. That's it for another episode of 44 at 60. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave a review on your podcast app or wherever you download the podcast from. And we hope you've been inspired to get your running shoes on.